Very good. It's good to see you here this morning. And uh, I tell you what, you do not want to miss next week. <laughs> I'm glad you're here for today. <laughs> but you don't want to miss next week. I got a little touch of it and a little flavor of it in Sunday school this morning. And uh, you'll want to be here next Sunday to hear of our missions team uh, testimonies. And then, uh, you know, the pictures that were taken, people that they met, uh, experiences that they had. It's really exciting to see uh, our God uh, doing his work and using uh, our folks here. We're glad for that. And really, you know, it just, it comes back again how the very same thing to be happening right here in Fallon, right here in Churchill County, that we would be active in that way, instruments in his hand. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, to be instruments in the master's hands, to be used of him here. Okay, well, here we go. Romans 16. Yes, Romans 16. You know, that's the last chapter of Romans. And there's 27 verses. And we're going to finish it today. We will. Now, let, let me say something here. Many others have gone much, 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 much longer than I have in Romans, okay? I haven't even come close to some of those guys. Um, I appreciate this privilege. Um, it is a privilege to be able to open up God's Word. If you're visiting here, we at Parkside say this this is God's Word, the Bible. And we walk by faith, and we need to read and study by faith so that we would grow in the faith. All right? And um, beyond that is to exercise your faith. And the example back to our missions team. There's a great example. Leaving and what did they go for? They didn't go for the Statue of Liberty, okay? They didn't go for the Liberty Bell. They, you know, those things are nice to be able to see, but they went to serve, went to minister. And that's the picture that we ought to have for us as believers here. Um, it's interesting, you know, to think of where we've been in this study in the book of Romans you know, if we were able to travel back in time, if we were time travelers, you know, to go back in this time and be with the early church, you know, what we'd be seeing is a very effective uh, influence from the Roman Empire. Very effective. Okay? It wasn't just Rome's power. There's also Greek philosophy that was going about, being spread about. Greek philosophy was big. Even the Jewish, uh, the Jewish religion was a big thing. But really, Greek philosophy and Judaism weren't as visible and weren't as on the surface as Roman power, as the Roman Empire. And it's just, it's pretty incredible that right in the midst of this major world power 
that God brought about the church. God brought about the church. Okay? And this Roman power, you know, they may have taken center stage over the others due to the, a greater visibility. It was a vast domain. Their influence was powerful. But think of this. The people in the early church, that's what they grew up with, knowing of really nothing else other than Roman power. And wherever you were in Europe, in, in you know, the area of Asia there, where Rome had its influence, all you could, you know, you were seeing it. You saw the road system, right? You saw the, uh, the soldiers. The soldiers were there, visible and all. You saw even hearing of these cities, these cities that came up and were, you know, popular cities or whatever. They were named after, you know, some Roman empire or emperor or other, other areas of, of Rome. And even, even some of the names of the, the people, you know, the, the, the parents giving names to their children, you know, had, the, had a connection there with the Roman Empire. But again, let me remind all of us of this. When, you know, we can talk up the Roman Empire or whatever, but with God... You know what his perspective is? Behold, the nations are like a drop from the bucket. They're accounted as the dust on the scales. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. That's God's perspective from Isaiah chapter 40 about the nations. And so we, you know, here we are in our day and age, you know, we can be thinking of here's, here's what's going on in our nation. And here's, you know, how people perceive the United States of America. And we might get uh, even intimidated by, you know, what's going on in, in, our, in our land when it comes to f- issues of faith and such. But we've got to remember, you know, here's... here's the one who we say we believe in. Here's God Almighty. And remembering what he says about himself in, in Isaiah 40 there. You know, and that's, what, that's kind of the, uh, the build up here to this last passage that we're wanting to look at here in Romans. In Romans 16. It's the idea of Really, Paul finishing up, and again, I mentioned it last week, he has this hard time coming to a close. He just, he adds this, and then he adds another thing. Oh, may the God of peace be with you. And then, and then he goes on. <laughs> I'm telling you, you, you read this and it's like, you say, oh, okay, well, I don't really spend a whole lot of time in Romans 16 for my devotions. <laughs> but it's, it's a rich passage nonetheless. Mentioning these names and then giving us a warning and then giving us the benediction. And there's, I believe, a a very important reason behind this. It's about identifying gospel supporters. That's point number one in your outline. Identifying gospel supporters. 
Paul had not yet been to the church at Rome. But because of the Roman road system, all roads, all the road, you know, traveling like Paul did, he ran into people. He connected with people in Corinth who came from Rome. You know, you know, they'd, they'd been kicked out by Claudius and, and some of them went to Corinth and Paul met them there. And later on, when he sits down to pen this letter, he says, you know, greet these people. And it's not just a, a passing little thing. There's reason behind it. Now, we're not going to be able to take every individual person here. There's about 28 uh, specified greetings here. But it's important that we draw out what what's kind of the theme behind this of identifying gospel supporters. I tell you what, listening to our young people in the mission team report in the Sunday school time, you know what, if they all of a sudden had to fly to New Jersey... You know what? They would have gospel supporters coming to them. You realize that? Because they, they made a connection. And God bless the Wooth family that there's a gospel connection in Atlanta, Georgia. And if you've been around the block many a time, and I know many, you know, a lot of you have been around the block, you know of gospel connections all over the western United States. Okay? And that's what Paul's doing here. And what I believe we see are two, two themes that come up from identifying gospel supporters is that it's out of gratefulness that he's doing it. That's the first foremost thing that we see. It's out of gratefulness. There's a sense of gratefulness for each one's contribution. Paul calls to mind and he writes it down. He has his amanuensis, his scribe, write it down for him, all these names. And he shows the value of people in the body that have worked and served and helped him in serving the Lord. And when we think of the body, we need to remember, we are his body. If you're a Christian, we are are his body, his hands, and his feet. If you don't understand that, I'd love to talk to you about that after the service. What that is all about. We're the body of Christ. And we need to get in action, just like my hands are moving, so our hands would move individually and corporately in helping in this community. Let's be like these that are mentioned. You know, the people that he's mentioned. Look at some of these. He commends, first in verse 1, chapter 16, I commend to you our sister Phoebe. Well, she's not there in Rome. She's, what we understand is she's brought the letter to Rome. And so, here's the, the commendation of Phoebe, who is a servant of the church, which is at Centria. That you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints. That you help her in whatever manner she may have need of you. For she herself has also been a helper of many and of myself as well. You know, and again, we can relate that to the, the, 12, the Fallon 12. It doesn't, um, anytime we serve in this way and we kind of reach out and serve the Lord and helping others, 
the very same things happen. We start meeting other people, recognizing, oh, I, I ran into another believer in Christ while I was doing this. Then verse 3, Greet Prissa and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life risked their own necks. You like that little statement there? They risked their necks. And you can go back to, I think it's Acts chapter 18, and read about it. Sosipater, Sosipater, I'm not sure how you say that, where the accent is, that he was the one that got it from the religious officials. He got beat up. And we don't have the actual details, but Aquila and Priscilla, they ended up, you know, <laughs> risking their own necks for Paul. And then he goes on to verse 5, Greet the church that is in their house. Okay? Greet Epinetus, my beloved, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia. Okay? Those are important details as we think of, here's the body at work. Here's a convert, you know, and Parkside, let me say this. When was the last time we saw a convert to Christ? You say, well, you know, we had Kelsey get baptized last week. Praise the Lord. That wasn't her conversion. That was her baptism. She was saved, you know, previous to that. But when was the last time you or I saw someone come to faith in Christ? See, that, that's got to challenge us because guess what? We don't see that many. And so we want to take to heart what we see in the Word and say, Lord, help me. Help me, Lord, to be a vessel used... Uh, uh, a spokesperson of the gospel of Christ. Okay? And then go on. Let's read on. In in verse 6. Chapter 16, verse 6. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junius, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners who are outstanding among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. Greet Ampelitus, my, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and Stachus, my beloved. Greet Apelles, the approved in Christ. Okay? See, he's going on with these little phrases of description. And a lot of them are, this one worked hard for the Lord. This one served the Lord. Look at verse 13. Greet Rufus, a choice man in the Lord, also his mother and mine. These people, Rufus and his mother, served and ministered to Paul in such a way that Paul turned and said, she's like my mom. Okay? Let me ask you something. Just in the depths of your heart, wouldn't it, would it be pretty cool if Paul mentioned your name in this way? That's not a boasting thing at all. All it is, is he's pointing out, here's faithful service to the Savior. And it, it, it has to get back to that, faithful service to the Savior. Not for points with the Apostle Paul. Okay? So, here's this 
issue of, here's a grateful heart from Paul, pointing out, specifying individuals by name and saying, greet them for me. And you know what? If you take all of them, all the names here up to verse 16, it's basically because of point number two, or letter B, due to grace. It's effectual grace. It's not just, um, oh, these were a bunch of nice guys, really cool. No, grace had taken effect in their lives and changed them and transformed them. And beloved, that's what God desires for each one of us as believers, is that we'd be transformed. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Okay? How's that going in your life? What's going on there? Do you see the Christian life as just kind of status quo? Just kind of show up at church again? Do the same stuff again? Or do you see your, your life as in his hands and exciting that, oh, what's God going to do today? Yes, there's tough stuff that happens. There's difficulties. There's storms that hit your life. But nonetheless, here's your perspective. Your vision is on to a risen Savior. A risen Savior who is alive forevermore. And His grace just keeps what? Here it comes. There's never an end. You cannot put a stop to the grace of God. It's always there. It's there. Now, you can turn away from it. You can rebel against it. You can even do it legalistically out of your own strength and power. But it's nothing even close to what His grace will accomplish in our lives. So, it comes down to this first point of verses 1 through 16 about Paul's support system. What's your support system like? Do you have a support system like this? Or is your support system more with the the people of the world? See, many of us at Parkside, we enjoy the camaraderie and the fellowship that we have with one another. And when tough times hurt or happen and you are hurting, who's there to support? Who's there to surround you with prayers? Okay? And if you're thinking like, you know what, I'm not a part of this uh, camaraderie here, this fellowship of believers, then we, we want to welcome you. We want to have you step in more. We, we want to, as a, as a family of believers, we better be stepping out to help them step in. You get that? And not one person, not one board of leaders can do that like the body can do that. And so it comes back to each one of us who say we are believers in Christ, we're regenerated by the Spirit of God, and thus God help us to be walking in the Spirit, to be controlled by the Spirit, so that we can be an encouragement to one another, and and people walk away and say, wow, that was really neat to be with that family, or that was really neat to be at at this Bible study, or this prayer meeting, or this Sunday school, or this church service. This church service is not the end of things. Don't get that in your brain. 
be thinking, as a believer in Christ, there's more to it than this church service. This church service needs to happen um, to supplement, to help, to encourage, to build up, maybe to convict. But it's the idea that you, Christian, would be active for our Savior in our world. <laughs> and we, we support one another with this. And we can say, like, like these verses that Paul shares here, wow, this person, I, they are approved in Christ. And it's so neat to talk to them about their love for Christ. Or this person, they're, they're a hard worker for Christ. I know, I, I've seen them. And so, thus, we would take from this example, all he's doing is throwing out some greetings, and we kind of race over it in our reading. But there's a message here, folks, that you and I would be like this, and that we'd be like Paul, recognizing others, right? Okay, now, let's look at verse 16. No, 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 no. When was the last time you greeted someone with a holy kiss? <laughs> yeah. Some of you guys are sitting back there. Hmm. Where are you going? <laughs> well, I know that you go to Europe. In many places in Europe, they're still doing that. They're, they're hugging you and they're doing the kiss on one side of the face or the other, you know. And uh, we just aren't, you know, I, I see folks hugging each other here. That's, you know, that's great. Um, it's, I'm not sure exactly what to say here, you know, that we, we've got to start doing this because this is commanded in the scriptures. <laughs> the point is, are we greeting one another in such a way, whether it's a, a, a strong handshake, a hug? And it might be that someone kisses you on your cheek. Appropriateness, not uh, in a wrong way. Not in a, any other kind of a sensual way. But that's the way it was in, in the early church times. So, just think about that. For our first point, identifying gospel supporters, do you have that in your life? Or are there just more people that... You just don't know very much. Well, we, we want to encourage you to get to know us and we want to get to know you, right? Well, he doesn't just stop here. He, it's also, he takes time, this, this last shot, if you will, of identifying gospel swindlers. And he gives this strong warning again. He can't hold back. He's just got to do it again. And there's no one in particular here that he's trying to think, that he's identifying like is done in other parts, portions of the New Testament. Other portions of the New Testament identify the swindler, identify the cheat by name. And here, Paul just gives a general, you know, watch out. Let's, let's read it in verse 17. Now, I urge you, a strong warning, I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and obstacles or hindrances, contrary to the teaching which you learned, and turn away from them. A teaching that you learned. There's the standard. The teaching of the Word of God that you learned. That's the standard that you go by. Right? And if someone's causing dissension or divisions or obstacles, turn away from them. You know, here's a, 
a discerning moment, a discernment kind of a moment. We all want to, you know, we want to um, welcome people and, and learn to love them and uh, have them just be feeling at home here at Parkside. But are we discerning enough to pay attention to what Paul says next about turning away from them? He doesn't, again, he doesn't name anyone particularly, but he says, you turn away from them. Now, the idea is, um, here in letter A, it's just basically repudiate them, reject them, turn away from them. Okay? And the word to keep, to keep an eye out for them is the word scope. Just like a telescope. Okay? It's a, it's the word scopea. And it's that idea. You're, you're looking out there. You're scoping it out. Okay? You're keeping your eye on it. You're watching out so as to avoid them. Okay? You're specifically watching out for those who cause dissensions. Disunity. Divisions. You're, you're looking out for those who cause scandalon is the word. Obstacles. It's the word that we use, um, it's the, the concept, I'm sorry, the concept of a, like those old animal traps we had as kids. You know, the stick is the scandalon. The stick is that tripping stick that catches the, the animal. Don't be that kind of a individual and watch out for those who would do that. Okay? So, and remember, folks, remember, <laughs> this is, this is a very simple, basic thought. It's people. And in this day, here, traveling teachers that cause division. <laughs> people. They get onto some kick, they get onto some way, and it's their way. It's not Christ's way. The men in Second Saturday breakfast yesterday, we, we looked at Third John, and we looked at the beloved Gaius. Gaius, you know, loved the Lord, and he walked in his ways, and he kept, you know, he's walking in the truth. And then there's Diotrephes. Diotrephes was a, a man, you know, that lived out for his own agenda and caused division. And so there's a good lesson there in Third John in regards to that. So, repudiate them. That's the idea in verse 17 and 18. Here's the problem. You keep your eye out for them, you turn away from them. Okay? Then letter B on the back of your outline is reinforce yourself in the Word. Reinforce yourself in the Word when, when this kind of uh, vagabond comes along. When this kind of teacher, when this kind of person comes along, you reinforce yourself in the Word. You reflect back to the, the Word for our understanding of how do I judge this? How am I going to discern in this situation? Now look at in verse 18. Paul describes these men. They are slaves, not of our Lord Jesus Christ, but of their own appetites. Their own appetites. They gave way to their appetites. They, and that's not just regarding food only. All sorts of appetites that the individual has. But they gave way to them. They allowed those appetites to lead and decide and to control. 
And the way to fight them off and to overcome is a matter of training and discipline in the Word. And you know what we'd like? We'd like, you know, all, I'm not saying this is for everyone, that it's true of everyone, but all too often it's like we turn the TV on and we watch the, the flashy speaker on TV, on some cable station, and he or she is bringing the magic all in the name of Jesus. You know what? You beware. You beware. Because that leads to an undisciplined kind of a life, really. You watch out. Your time spent in the Word by the work of the Spirit of God in you, you're coming to a Bible study. It's led by people that have been seasoned in the things of life and the Word of God. You come into a church service where the Word of God is preached, whether it's here at Parkside or some other church. You, you're saying, I want the Word of God. That's what's going to bring stability. That's what's going to bring change. And all too often we get caught up with the flashy stuff because it's in the comfort of our own home. There it is on TV. Okay, Be, be alert to that, my friend. Be alert to that. The point here is that you and I wouldn't be one of the, listen, that we wouldn't be one of the unsuspecting. That we'd have a discerning heart, a discerning mind, a discerning spirit in watching out. Letter C is that we, you know, it's not just a matter of repudiating them or reinforcing ourselves in the word, but it's, it's to stand resolved with God in what he's already said. Look at verse 19 and 20. For the report of your obedience has reached to all. Therefore, I am rejoicing over you. Okay, stop right there. That idea is, here's the response of what? Obedience. That's how God would have you, Christian, respond to him. In obedience. And a lot of times we get into, you know, kind of confusing issues in dealing with this whole thing. You're supposed to obey. If I stood up here and pounded the pulpit and said, hey, you better obey. Well, that's pretty easy for me because I'm not, I'm just pointing it at you. I need to obey. You need to obey. And it's throughout the New Testament it's mentioned. It's not just here. The, the concept of a believer is about obedience. Obedience to Christ and His way. Okay? Godly conduct follows up. Obedience and godly conduct follow up. We're still under to see, to be resolved with God. And so we look at, we look at uh, verse 19 there. Your obedience has reached to all, therefore I'm rejoicing over you. But I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. There's your, your godly conduct. Okay? Be wise in what is good, innocent in what is evil. And then, to top it off, He says, and here's the confidence factor. Because you, Christian, can be assured of God's victory over the enemy. I tell you, this is an amazing verse here. Verse 20. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. 
Listen, he just mentioned, be innocent in what is evil. Watch out for that. And you know what? The very instigator of evil, he's going to get it. Because God, the God of what? He doesn't say the God of wrath. He says the God of peace. You know why? How did your peace come about with God? Through the bloody cross where Christ died. Where the wrath of God was poured out on Christ for your sake. So that you and I can have peace with God. And he says, it's just a, a, a wonderful combination here. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Now, as far as, hey, wait a minute. Didn't he already do that at the cross? Yes. But see, the effect of evil, is it still happening? Duh. It's still going on. And it happened in Tucson, Arizona. You know, all the places that we connect with, there it happened again. There it happened again. And the instigator is Satan. And if you don't know this by heart, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Okay? Yeah. Amen. (laughs) And so... And so we are uh, aware we need to identify gospel swindlers. By the way, I'd encourage you to write down Joshua chapter 10, verse 24. You know what happened there? Joshua was, uh, had defeated the kings there in that particular passage. And he brought his leaders along and he said, hey, you guys, come here. And you know what he did? You put your foot on their necks right now. Put your foot on their necks. That was a sign of what? Victory. They had defeated the enemy. Okay? And God is going to do that to Satan. There's so many... Listen, there are so many um, thoughts that come about that why it's going to be so glorious when God finally... Is settled and there's no Satan is thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever. Okay, and so you you talk about that in your family. What am I looking forward to in that God's going to rightly give to Satan? And what a joy, along with the many many others that will be. Let's go to the third point now, identifying gospel sufficiencies. Listen, this is what it comes down to. It's all about the gospel. What is Romans all about? Romans, the whole book, what's it all about? That you and I were in our sinful status. Rebellion, unrighteousness, and what did God bring about? Righteousness. That's the message in a nutshell of Romans. God brought about His righteousness for an unworthy, rebellious people. And God brought it about. And so, the gospel, it was about gospel supporters mentioned early on in in chapter 16. Gospel, you know, betrayers. Gospel swindlers. And here now, gospel sufficiencies. What's the gospel supposed to do in a person's life? Number, letter A, to establish you in God's truth. 
to stabilize you. Okay? To steady you, to strengthen you, to develop Christ-likeness in you. That's what the gospel's for. Letter B. What's the gospel sufficiency about? So that the, the truth, uh, it, um, it can be expressed to express God's truth. Is that what we're doing? Is that what we long to do? Is that what we pray for? Are we trying to be communicators of the gospel message? And I'm not saying don't talk about the playoff football games today. Don't talk about the the latest restaurant or whatever this or that. I'm not saying that. But are you ready to talk about the gospel? Are you ready for that? Is that what your heart's desire is? And, you know, moms and dads, it, it starts with you at home, with your children, helping them to learn what the gospel is and what it isn't. Okay? So, gospel sufficiencies, identify them. Number one, to establish you in God's truth. Letter B, to ex- express God's truth. And then, subpoints unto all nations. And then there's that, that verse again, it talks about the obedience of faith. Okay, I want you to look at uh, verse 26. Well, let's read 25 and 26 here. Now, to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which has been kept secret for long ages past. That's the gospel that's always been there. It's always been there. You can go back to Genesis and it's there. The gospel message, do you think that's important to God? Then is it important to us, right? Now, verse 26, but now is manifested and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the internal God, has been made known to all the nations. See, God desires that. That's why we support uh, Peter and Heather Malachar in India. And that's why we support... um, the Langfords in in the jungles of Brazil. That's why we pray for Amun and Gazala and their boys to get back to Pakistan. Jason and Angie Borges in Kyrgyzstan. These folks, you know, amongst others, are ones we want to pray for so that all nations would hear. And then you and I, you know, sharing it here in this part of the nation in Fallon, America. Okay. All right. Let us see. It comes down to exalt God. Okay. So the sufficiencies of the gospel is to establish you in God's truth, to express God's truth, and to exalt God. So that's what Romans began with is our problem. And here's how we are at peace with God. Here's how we come to know God. Here's how we can glorify God in our lives. And that's what he's wrapping up with. God's righteousness has now been offered to mankind. Have you come to know and have God's righteousness? Do you know God? Do you have his righteousness? Do you have peace with God? If you don't, You're on the losing side, my friend. The God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath our feet. 
And you, my friend, you need to be translated over from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His beloved Son. You need to come to faith in Christ. If you've not, you're, you're living for your own strength, your own power, your own agenda. You're, you're turning away from God. You need to come to faith in Christ. And thus, understanding, here's, here's what I'm made for. I'm made to worship the living God, the creator of all things. And through Christ, I, I can call him Father. And it might be today, right here, right now, that you, you can't say that he's your father. And we would implore you, lay aside the pride, acknowledge your pride, and humble yourself and call out for God's mercy on your life. And ask him to forgive you of your sins. And thank him for making you, you a part of his family. It doesn't take, you know, some big, huge theological counsel to, to help you to understand how to get right with God. You know it in your heart that you're rejecting God right now. You know it. You need to bow your heart and life and your knee. Bow the knee to Christ and come. He calls you. Come unto me. Would you do that? Well, he wraps it up in verse 27. And he says, To the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever. Amen. First of all, let's, let's, uh, let's be the little ant on the elephant and try to understand forever. <laughs> but it's forever. There's no end. To God be the glory forever. So Christian, let's be doing that now. Let's be giving him glory. So, and, and the way to do that is just jump back into Romans 12, 1 and 2. Okay? It's your, about offering him your body as a living, holy sacrifice. Okay? And don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Spend time in the Word of God and turn around and give Him glory. Live it out in your life and give Him glory while you're doing that. Okay? So, those are some of our final thoughts on the Romans road. And um, just be praying as we uh, shift into next week with the, the missions report. And then on into this new year, some exciting things that God has for us.